Welcome to Rocksoft Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at www.rocksolidministries.org. Again, that's rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is preacher Scott Muller from the Christian Church of Riverton, Wyoming. I'm excited to be here with Scott for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that this is our very first rock-solid revival in the state of Wyoming, and uh, it's going great. In fact, we're doing this podcast late in the evening because we've got a full day tomorrow, got to drive somewhere and baptize a lady, and we're excited about that. But Scott and I go back a long way, back at least to 1983 and maybe a little before that, uh, when Beth and I moved to Sterling, Colorado to establish a Christian church there. And uh, you were the youngest of your family, Scott. That uh, I guess you still are. Of your siblings, you were 13. And I, as a preacher, I wasn't a whole lot older. I was 26. And we left Colorado in 1987. And a lot of years have come and gone since then. And now we've reconnected through Rock Solid Ministries. And uh, I'm anxious to hear what went on with your life after we left. So, uh, Brother Scott, tell us your story. Well... Yeah, you were a big inspiration to me, and going to church there, my parents, I was born in Lamar, Colorado, and had Sherman Nichols, who many people know as a yeah, great influence in my life, great preacher. Great preacher. He was up at church camp 44 years ago tomorrow, um, through his sermon or whatever, I, I decided to be baptized, and my dad baptized me up at Camp Como in Como, Colorado. Now, was your dad a, an elder yes. at the church there in Lamar? And Lamar's in southeast Colorado. Southeast Colorado, right. right. Then we moved up to Sterling in 83, and we, that's when we <coughs> came along and went to church there. And then I went to work, got a secular job, and worked there for 30 years. And my wife and I were talking about different missions that we thought we'd do as I was nearing retirement age. A young retirement age, I might add. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And our son was at Summit Christian College, Luke. He's a, now a minister in Huron, South Dakota. But I, he said, well, America needs missionaries just about as bad as any, any other place. He said, why don't you take That's some Bible truth. college classes and, and just see what happens. So I went on to Summit Christian College's website and instead of clicking on classes, I clicked on job openings. And the very first one was Riverton, the, church, the Christian Church of Riverton needed someone for a small congregation and with a Bible college degree. And I closed, I closed it right then. Didn't register for any classes or, or go any further with that. But that weighed on my heart all night. And I laid there thinking about it. The next day I emailed the elders and um, told them just that I grew up in the church, been in the church all my life, and would be interested in doing, you know, helping them out if they needed it. And they called me within about a half hour, and we set up a, a trip up here. And I don't know if they know it. They probably know it just because of how poor it was. But I preached my very <coughs> first sermon in front of a congregation a year ago, January twenty or June twenty seventh. So now, your first sermon you ever preached was in front of the Riverton Church. Yes, sir. No kidding. 
Your first sermon ever was yep. a trial sermon That's for a right, church. For an interview. For an interview. Yep. Oh my goodness. Now I don't believe I have ever heard of that, Scott. <sighs> ever. And and so it came about they called me that day and I was nervous. I hadn't told my wife Janet about it. And that night I said, I I did something. She said, Did you buy another gun? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, No. And and I told her about it and I said, They they're really interested in me and and I when they when Brother David Smith, an elder there, called me. I said, you don't want me. I said, I, I don't. I said, I just was curious. He said, we, you know, we, we don't have a big applicant pool. And give her a try, brother. You know. And, <laughs> and so we set up to, to come up here. And I met with, met with the elders and had a, a long interview all day with their families. And we ate and visited. And that just had a great day. Hit it off, you know. They're good, great people. Yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. And then I preached my sermon Went home. Two weeks later, they had a congregational vote and said they'd like me to come up and be their minister. At that time, I wasn't sure about my retirement, and I called, and they said, yeah, you can retire. And and so I just phased into coming up here on weekends into coming up here full-time. And and so it's just been a, a blessing to me, and I've, I've loved it. I made a lot of, made a new family here, and it's... They're, They're good, good folks. They are good folks. But that is, I've got to go back to this whole thing of a trial sermon being your first sermon ever. Well, so, so many men, when they're trying out for church and they're going in for this trial sermon, which I don't know how biblical that is, but they go do it. And they're really worried. They're looking over all their sermons, trying to figure out which one they want to share and which one might meet the needs of the church there and everything. You didn't have one. I didn't have one. What'd you preach on? Do you remember? I preached on goals. And what where they wanted to be, and I thought I wanted to leave them with something, whether I was hired or not, to to build God's kingdom. You know, right. and that's I don't know if they if they remember <laughs> or what they got out of it. But like I said, it wasn't it wasn't the best sermon they'd ever ever had, and, and a lot of, a lot of times they tell me I'm getting better, and so and I did end up enrolling in some classes at Summit and. Um, homiletics and advanced preaching and, I, and they both helped me immensely and summit Aaron Crows is summit is located where it's Garing, Nebraska right so that's not too far no nope, no nope. <coughs> your home is Sterling so I'm sorry I was going to say to my listeners and if you listen last week with me and Alan I'm getting over a cold that is not COVID and uh so I'm coughing a little bit trying to take some some cough drops here and keep going um so, you've been here a year? June, I think June 27th. That's a Sunday this year, so maybe it was June 28th. Right. was my first Sunday here. Well, I remember you called me last year before all this came about, and you said, I'm going to retire and be a preacher. Yeah. And I never was so happy about anything in all my life, because uh, uh, I always always thought a lot of you as a young teenager, and uh and well, even as a mid-teenager, I still liked you pretty good, you know. <laughs> but uh, I knew you could do it. And then when you called me and said, I got a church, I'm going, I thought, wow, that is really something. And then the next thing you said is, next thing I want to ask is, when can you come to and do a revival? And, and uh, of course, uh, our listeners know I'm booked out four years in advance. And I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, and I'm going to get in trouble with a few people. But I said, I'm going to be in northeast Colorado, and that's pretty close. And I'll squeeze you in because I knew you're new here, you're new in ministry, and maybe it might be a boost for you and your church. 
And uh, it's been a boost for me. You, you really have come to a wonderful congregation of loving people and, and who just enjoy uh, worshiping together, being Christians together. And we've had, a, we've had really good attendance this week. Uh, uh, not every revival do we have uh, above the Sunday morning attendance. Right. And it's not been a lot above it, but it, every I think every night has been higher than the Sunday morning. Yes. And that's a, a tribute to your congregation and to you, because I know y'all did an awful lot of preparation in for the revival, and, and which shows that when you prepare, uh, you can actually get people to come, right. and revivals still work. So what do you think about it a year into it? I love it. I'm excited to see where we can go with it and, and how how many people we can win you know, to win to Christ. And I've met new people this week. A lot of people have brought, like you said, they've gone out inviting people and, and I've met new people and I just hope it, it spreads and we can keep growing and, and maturing together. But they are a great group and it is, it is nice to see that. Well, did you ever think you'd be a preacher? I did. When I was younger, I always said I was going to be a preacher when I grow up and that's when I came up and met with them. I said, well, I guess it's time to grow up. Just over 50 years old and you're going yeah. to grow up. Yeah, right? yeah. So uh, did it? Did you ever think about it? In all these years you worked for the company you worked for in Colorado, did it, did it prey on your mind? That It, it did, and I, always, I was very involved in the church camp for years. I was the dean of family camp and different things up at Colorado Christian Service Camp in Como. Um, Janet and I did quite a bit with the youth group in Holyoke when, when we were there in the last few years. And Holyoke is in north, Colorado, northeast Colorado. Northeast yeah. Colorado, That's yeah. We went to church there. And, and you drove 50 miles to get to church there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, yes, we there was different different missions trips we've, we've been on doing different things. But I, yeah, I guess I always thought I'd be more suited for a worship minister or a youth minister or something like that. And I still think that's probably the case, but God had different plans for me. And the timing wasn't perfect for all of this, but it's God's timing. And Well, you know, grow up a lot. We, we take a lot of traits of our parents. Right. And uh, I'll say, Dwayne, I always loved your dad, Dwayne. He was a such an, uh, a help to us. We were... As I said, I was 26 when we started that church with, with your family. And uh, he was always an encouragement, always level-headed, always thought things through, uh, but a man of faith. Uh, you and I were talking earlier, uh, well, I guess it was yesterday, where you're looking, you had a little problem with your printer. And I remember that uh, that's when, when we started that church, copiers were just really starting to come in their own, and the old mimograph machines were going away, and... We, we want to do things quality. And it, here we were, 10 people maybe at this time in the church, and we wanted to get a copier. And a copier that today you could buy for 30 bucks, maybe 50, was $5,000 then. And your dad and I got together, we prayed about it, and said, let's just step out on faith and do it. And, and we did. That's a story I've never forgotten because... Uh, that's just the way he was, and I remember. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take our listeners back because you kind of jumped ahead of everything and didn't even talk about your service actually in Sterling as a young teenager. Uh, there were times we would have twelve to twenty three year olds and under in our nursery, and uh, which, by the way, was in a funeral home. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> right. But you were one, 
and you just shocked me at the time. Here's a 13 year old, and you said, I'll, I'll work in the nursery. And we always had two workers, always had a woman in there too, because that's the right thing to do. But you worked nursery. You were you you would volunteer for just about anything that we needed back then. I always appreciated that. Yeah. So here you are. Tell us tell us a little bit about this ministry now. I mean, just what's going on? Have, have you has the church made any changes? Are they are you seeing? Me? Well, no. I want to back up now. I want to back up on something else. You got a you baptized a man that's pretty old recently. Yes. Yep. Ernie on. Ernie started coming to church sometime after Christmas, and we talked some about baptism and, and this and that, and he, it's kind of a sad love story with him and his, his girlfriend, but she got moved to another state, and he wanted, as this progressed, he wanted to get baptized with her, and we realized, you know, I said, don't wait for that, if she's able to come back, I'll, we'll, you can get baptized again with her, and, and yeah. we'll do it again, but... He under as it he just understood understood the necessity of being immersed and wanted to do it and so and it that all, that discussion just happened to come forth come forth the week of Easter and so he was about eighty five years old on Easter Sunday turned eighty six that next week and, and he just started coming first of year mm-hmm. yeah. and I noticed Sunday morning uh, we sat down for church. And Ernie was sitting on the road with your family. Right. You, a couple of your kids were up here. They're uh, they're all out of school, and they were up here visiting. And there's Ernie sitting on the road with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a wonderful thing. Yep. We've developed a good friendship, and usually on Tuesdays I go to the senior center and play cribbage with with Ernie and some of his friends. And I didn't. We had other plans today, so I didn't make that. Uh, but but you're in the community. He loves the when. Yeah. Lauren was up here on Mother's Day weekend. My daughter, she played cribbage with Ernie all afternoon after the the, really? the dinner we had that day. And so it's just good camaraderie. You saw the friendship we had today with the, the people just hosting each other and yep. and the fellowship and just the good times together. It, and that draws people yeah. in, doesn't it? It does. It does. All the programs and everything else are not going to do what relationships will do. Right. Now, I'm not saying don't have programs. Revivals is kind of a program. But but uh, do you see the church making some moves in a direction that will help it grow? I think so. Um, so they, they had closed with COVID for maybe six, eight weeks. Maybe a little bit longer than that, March, April. They had just started having services. Again, the elders were preaching while they were advertising for a new minister. I came along in, in June and, and basically... Have were have been full time since August in the pulpit, and no, we they canceled Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Sunday school. And as I I did different sermons, and I said after we hit Easter, we were going to start Wednesday night, but we decided to start a Sunday school instead. And I I have the same amount for Sunday school as I do church, just a hundred percent participation. I noticed that Sunday. from everybody. That's there, and so that's gone really good. And I think we'll we'll do, we'll continue to add more and and work with that. I need to get out into the community and try to get the youth. You know, we don't have a big uh, children's group, so it'd be nice to work with the high school or college. And... So, what are some of your plans that you have? Um, uh, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we. 
pray about things and brainstorm. And one thing I do have, those support whatever idea I come up with. I get, you know, full support from the, the elders. And and it's just been been really good that way. In November, there was another COVID scare within the church. And um, talked about shutting down. And I, I said, I don't I don't want to shut down. We, we had gotten online. It's... We're online, and right. um, I said if they want to watch it, they can. But I said if five people come to church, that's I'll take that, and I think we should keep going. And they supported that, and we and everybody was in church next Sunday. No one stayed away. They knew they all knew what the situation was, and and so it's it's great. Wyoming's great, and it's yeah. Well, that's really that's where we need to be. The, the Bible says, "Forsake not the assembly." And honestly, I'm thankful we have electronics. I'm thankful that people who can't get here and that we can get our message out all over the world. Right. But there's a reason that we need to be in personal contact with one another. Right. And the Lord knew that. And that's that's why the Hebrew writer said, forsake not the assembly. Yeah. And, and I preached a sermon on that one Sunday. For Unfortunately, the ones that needed to hear it were... <laughs> we're forsaking the assembly. Oh yeah. Well, isn't that always the case? <laughs> yes, it yeah. is. So, so, but uh, no, I understand that too. I've not. I don't have 100 percent church attendance, and so there are times. But it is. It has been a trying year for God's church. Yeah. Well, the the enthusiasm here that I've seen this week, uh, I I think a lot of it is the fact that they have a minister who wants to reach the lost. Now, one of the things that, that several have told me, they said when Scott contacted us, and am I right in this? They, they were saying that you were the first one to contact them who is actually a Christian church restoration guy. Yes. That everyone who contacted wanted to be a minister here. They were every kind of background there was. Is that right? Yes. Absolutely. And, and uh, a lot of times, I know churches get all these resumes and they don't know because the person never says what they are. And they just say, well, here's a good one. This looks good. And they bring him in and they hire him. And he doesn't believe what the Bible says. Right. As one of them told me, one guy said, I'll be whatever you want me to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who wants to hire a guy like that? There's no conviction there. Exactly. And so I, there's a lot of enthusiasm with them that they found a guy who believes the Bible who has a good work ethic. And I know that because you're up at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and uh, of course, this time of year, I am pretty much too, but y'all have kept me so busy. We're not going to bed till late. And, and, uh, but I know that they, you, you've got a good work ethic. The church is on your mind. It's what you want to do. You're not here to pull a paycheck. You're, you're here to help the church grow and to reach the lost. Right. And uh, I love that you, uh, I've, I've watched online a few times. I've, and, and, uh, I think your sermons just get better and better all the time. And and uh, not that my opinion matters, but I think they are. But what is better than many sermons I hear is that you always give an invitation. You always invite people to do something about I what they do. I wonder hear. where I learned that from. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was... Sherman Nichols and Tom Weaver. Sherman Nichols dad. was, yeah. And almost everywhere I've gone. I haven't gone too many places within a Christian church where... Where they don't offer one, maybe not as compelling as yours, but but they at least offer some, you know. And, and well, that's different than what we found because we find yeah. that so many of them are not anymore. Right. But we get around a little bit wider circle, and uh, I think it's sad. It is. 
And one of the things that was interesting to me when we first started traveling was that people, uh, preachers would say to me, teach me how to give an invitation. And to me, to teach it, I think, how do you, it's, I've always done it, you know, but I learned from my grandfather. Right. And I was converted by him and I admire him. And so my first sermon, I did what he did. And I've never not done what he did. And we had a response. We, well, we had a lot of responses in that first sermon, even though it was only seven minutes long. But, but uh, I don't know how else not how not to do it. Uh, Beth and I have attended some churches. We attended one, and uh, they teach the Bible. Uh, and and the guy we visited a few times passing through, and on this particular time, the fellow who spoke, he actually put some passion into it, which he hadn't seen a lot. It's more like a lesson. And he said, we've got to do something about this. He said, we have got to change. We've got to do something about this. And then all of a sudden, he stopped, took two steps forward, turned around and sat on the front row. And a guy came up, gave an announcement, and said, our closing song will be. And I wanted to go up to him, and I probably should have to say, oh, well, I'm a sinner going to hell, and I'm still going, because you didn't give me an opportunity to do, to do something about it. Right. So I'm, I'm very thankful, Scott, that you... Uh, believe it's important to give an invitation. You told me that you told the men that when you came. How, how did that go? Good. Yeah, I, I, you know, in the same breath of them taking a chance on me, I wasn't going to compromise any of my beliefs or the Bible for, and they, it's all aligned perfectly. You know, I wasn't going to sugarcoat or whitewash anything just to get the job, you know, right. the job that I wasn't suited for anyway. <laughs> and... Um, uh, in my letter, they said Riverton's about 10,000 people with a church of about 25. And right. I said, I'd like to minister to them and, and reach the other 9,975. <laughs> and it's a terrible year for that, too. You know, people don't want you calling on them in right. a year when there's not COVID. But then when there is, people would quit coming. People don't want you in their house. They don't want to go in a group, you know. Right. So it's a terrible <clears throat> year to try and grow. And I asked the the elders for advice. Should I go door to door? Should I do this and different things? And we just tried, tried different things and we've got a few here and there and, and, right. and not, but it, it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. You, you know, yeah. Well, you know, the door to door thing, people say, well, that doesn't work. I, I, I think it does. If nothing else, if you have a, a nice, uh, folder that tells about your church yeah, and you can leave it there, Illegal to put it in the post office, in the post box. But anyway, you find a way to put it there and where it looks neat when they find it. It gets the name of your church right. out there. And that's what I've done a lot with Facebook and, and the way our website. You have. Janet's done a lot with those. And, yeah. Janet is a good partner for you. She is. We've been watching this behind me 100% on this. I wouldn't have done it with you know if she wasn't on board with it and... She does just as much as me for just like Beth helping you out all these years. Well, yeah. Uh, you can't do it. Before church tonight, Janet's over here starting to get the grill going uh-huh. uh, for the dinner before church. And, and Beth just happened to mention, she said, they are a good team, aren't they? They really work well together. And I, yeah, I have to agree. Uh, God has blessed you with a really fine wife that that is committed to something that you did without telling her you're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, and that's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But if but if she hadn't been behind it either, I wouldn't have pursued it. Or, you know, if she'd have said that the first night, she said, well, call them and see what they say. And we talked, talked about it, made an interview, and it just kept looking more like a reality. And we're both, like, shocked. But it was yeah. just a God thing. That's what we kept saying. It's a God thing. You know, that's where 
just like my dad, if you want, you have to take a leap of faith and, yeah. and do it, and God will take care of you. Well, I think as, as you as you look back in a few years, uh, you're going to see that this was just exactly the right place for you to be. Right. And it may be the place for you to be for the rest of your life. Who knows? We, you know, we don't yeah. know. And that's probably what you're hoping for. Yeah. And that's great because it's a great area of the country and, and really nice people up here. And, and, uh, now Riverton's got a reputation yeah, uh, for not being the safest place in right. Wyoming. In fact, its reputation is that it is the least safe place to live. <laughs> and for various reasons we won't go into, but, but to me that says, uh, the church does not wait for what is bad to come to it. It goes to where bad is and it brings good. It brings the gospel. And I think these 9,000 plus people, you've got a real challenge ahead of you. And, and, uh, I, I like the idea that you are constantly brainstorming with your guys and you're looking at what we might do. And I know you're praying about it. And if you feel like that's not the thing to do, you move on to something else. And, uh, I'm looking forward to see what's going to happen in the next few years. Me too. And uh, probably going to interview you again in a couple of years because most a lot of guys I interview that they've had sixty years in, in ministry or <laughs> or more. And and uh, honestly, I think you probably are have a, a, probably a short time in ministry of anybody that I have interviewed. So we won't stretch this one out to an hour. But uh, just in the time you've been here and what you've seen, do. You, what do you see as a great challenge that the church today is and going forward? Do you see any great challenges that we're going to, have to face as a church or Christian individuals or as, as ministers? I think our biggest challenge in the future, and I don't know how soon, is going to be the government. I think mm -hmm. they're going to become oppressive on a few things to where they were this time with COVID. Absolutely. You know, forcing shutdowns and things like that, that. Which they had no right to do. Exactly. Nope. And yeah. like my communion meditation Sunday, our, our constitution was founded on biblical principles and not, you know, the Bible and our, our moral standards was not the constitution. It was founded off of, off of God's word. And we've just strayed so far from that. And the government doesn't respect that or acknowledge that. And I think they're going to try forcing us to accept things that we don't want to accept. And we're either going to have to fight back or or get closed. And I don't know. You know, we just have to pray about it and hope we do the right things when it, when it comes. comes. Right. Well, really, I, I think the, the, the Bible teaches us not to pre-plan what we're going to do, what we're going to say when we're brought up on charges or whatever it might be. Right. That, that we... We trust that the Holy Spirit is in us yep. and the Holy Spirit will give us direction and give us words that we need to speak if we're supposed to speak. Right. And I think you're right. I think the difficulty is coming and well, it's already here. I mean, yeah. we all know that, but, uh, with, with, uh, various state governments and others wanting to, uh, label the Bible as, as hate speech. Uh, and certainly we can see why it's hate speech. I mean, uh, you can be cleansed of your sins and go to heaven and, and, and God's son died for you. Well, that certainly sounds like hate speech to me. Right. You know, and, and, uh, 
I think that's going to be pushed on us a lot. Of course, down in Houston a few years ago, the mayor was telling the preachers, you have to turn in your sermon outline or your sermon manuscript every week before you preach it. Right. How crazy is that? That's just, that's just. It's insane. Uh, yeah. So, and we've seen it. I, I said back in the 80s when we were out in Colorado, we saw uh, Nebraska, in the state of Nebraska, uh, a preacher, they had a private school. He was arrested right. for having a private school. And I said, this is coming. And everybody yeah. said, y'all, you're nuts. It's not going to happen. But yeah. Right. And it's not necessarily the government because we, the people, are the government, and that's yeah. the the world. The United States of America has become so worldly and turned its back on Jesus and God that they then they're surprised that he, you know, just like the Old Testament judges and and kings from generation to generation, you had successes and failures, and when they walked with God, they prospered, and when they didn't, they did not. And it's why, why should we expect it to be different? That's right. That's right. And. As I've said this week, kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall have been happening for thousands of years. But the kingdom of Christ will stand forever. And we are first and foremost members of God's kingdom. And and we need to remember that. And when all the world crumbles around us, we are still citizens of God's kingdom if we maintain our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we don't have to be cut off as a dry and dead branch and bundled up and thrown into the fire. We've just become worldly. It's all... About many other things besides God and His kingdom. Well, don't you think that uh, not just our country, the church has become very worldly. Yeah. 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 Think, you think about things that when you and I were in Sterling, things that never would have been accepted in the church, and in a Bible church anyway. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, well, that's the way it is. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, preachers caught at the back door. Well, don't preach about that. Uh, my nieces like that right. <laughs> or, or does this yeah. or the other thing and you can't do that and uh, I feel for preachers in the local church because you guys know you get to know your families and you're preaching through maybe a book and you say oh my well I got to preach it and you realize you get fired for preaching it and you wouldn't have in a Bible church 30 years ago right. very often but I've been approached uh, at, on a Sunday afternoon after church by people saying, now, I just want you to know, these people practice this. Just thought you'd want to know. And the reason they came to tell me that was because I saw on Sunday morning how wide their eyes were, that it was that they were thinking, oh man, this, this guy believes and preaches the Bible. And I wasn't going to preach on what they told me about. I wasn't going to do that. Until they told me about it. And I thought, well, okay, there's a need right here. God's presented before me, but I'm leaving in four days. Right. You got to stay. And the local preachers, that's a challenge. I think local preachers have got to face, and we've got to, and and there's an awful lot of preachers need to get some backbone. Yeah. And realize I've always said that God has a place for a man who preaches the Bible. And uh, yeah, we may get fired half a dozen times. And if it's fired for preaching the Bible, then okay. But God will always, you'll never go hungry. God will always give you a place to preach. But I'm concerned for Bible preachers today. I think you're right. It's not just the government gone worldly. The church has gone worldly as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that is one thing this congregation has said in in a nice way to, to boost my confidence about my sermons is 
the contents there, and your delivery's getting better. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they've never once questioned my content or, or they seem argued to be, with They me seem to be very good about wanting the Bible preached, yeah. and they seem yeah. to, to like that. Right, and, and we've had some of those situations you're alluding to, and yeah. I don't hold anything back. Right, and uh, you've got elders who want that. Right, they, they want that, and and I hope and pray that they always will, and we'll always stick with you on that. And I, I feel like I certainly will. But, but uh, anyway, uh, any other thoughts today? Just from you, you know, about I ministry. Just appreciate you coming up here, and you've seen how the great impact it's had on on all the people that have come. The numbers grow every night, which usually is a sign that it's successful. And it's just been a great week with you and Beth. And I think someone said tonight. I was asking when. Uh, has this church ever had revivals? And some of you have been here for years because this church was established in 1957. Said, oh yeah, we used to have them all the time. And I said, when was the last one? And someone was saying they thought the late 90s, maybe. Right. And and uh, and it may be because you have a succession of preachers who just don't bring it up or don't believe that revival works. And uh, as you've seen this week, revival does work. And, right. and revival is just resurrection, helping to resurrect that which is dead in us spiritually, and and uh, but it also uh, alludes to evangelism, and gets the church ready for evangelism. And we had uh, three people come forward last night, and for various reasons, what you and I would like to, to baptize uh, them like right away because that's Bible. Right. But you you can't force if a person says I'm going to wait. Uh, you just show this you don't you know this is what it says. Yeah. But uh, this dear lady wants to go out to a, a particular lake. And I'm excited about it. Yes. As we've said on our podcast many times, if you're listening, you want to be baptized, you contact us through our website and we'll try to find someone to get to you. And if we can't, and at all within our means, one of our evangelists will come clear across the country to baptize you because it is the gospel and one soul is worth it. And I'm excited about this tomorrow though. This is going to be a bunch of the churches going. Yeah. Sounds like. When at Easter they said that it had been at least seven years since we they'd filled the baptistry last. So wow. it's just good good times, good growing. For anyone else that's listening to this for encouraging them or, or others, if you wanna speak about it, what I don't I don't know you know, retirements to me is not even necessarily biblical. And yeah. Why shouldn't I give, you know, I at times I look at the lucrative life of retirement and traveling and enjoying time with my family, and I can still enjoy time with my family, but what better way than to see, than to have my grandkids see me serving the Lord and being an example for that. But for others that are wondering what to do with their retirement, there's a shortage of kingdom workers, and look into it. Look at taking some Bible college classes and, and getting you know, into a church somewhere to minister in, in any, whatever capacity you want. Like, mm. like you, what'd you say a while ago? If you want to preach. I, I well, see, you know, I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, More important to you than to me. Yeah. You'll find it. You'll find a, a, a place. If you want to work for the kingdom of God. You oh, can, absolutely. There's definitely a need. God will open a door. Right. Even preach about it in, in your sermons to, trying to reach that. A lot of times they go out trying to get recruits for Bible college to go in, but they're, you know, nobody wants a, a new Bible college graduate. They want them to have a little bit of experience, and the experienced retired person is is a great... Well, and true, and nothing against 
a young man just coming right. out of Bible college. But uh, churches so often say you got to have a Bible college degree, and and a lot of these churches are small churches, and they don't realize they've been putting that on resumes for years. Right. They, they don't realize that there are some very godly men who know the scriptures. I mean, some things you said tonight about Old Testament tells, you know, about your knowledge of scriptures. But add to that life experience. And you bring life experience and maturity to the ministry and, and your work ethic and your study habits that you've had all your life and in the business you've worked in. Right. You, you, you know how to research, you know how to find things. And I think churches need to realize that there are men out there with great opportunities and, and great desire to serve the Lord. And maybe they ought to take a chance. Make sure they're solid Christians. Make sure on the basics they're solid. Take a chance. Because you may not find a preacher otherwise. And if you find one, you may hire somebody that doesn't believe what the Bible says about things like a lot of our churches are doing. Take a chance. Right. Talk to somebody who maybe hasn't been to Bible college and but has life experience and has taught Sunday school all their life or whatever. You never know. That's right. And you know, and financially it's a solution for a lot of churches' problems. Yeah. I don't need a full preacher's salary because I have a retirement and and likewise you don't need a full you know, they can't afford to pay a full preacher's salary anyway. Beth was telling me about one church that had they said that you needed to be 35 with 20 years of experience yeah. <laughs> at a Bible college degree. Yeah, yeah. Impossible. It, absolutely impossible. So anyway, you're you're an encouragement to me, and I think you're a good example of what a man can do when he's, when he's ready to really say, okay, I can chuck this and go serve the Lord. And some men, they're not ready for retirement, but they've been thinking a long time, I really ought to be giving God my all and preaching I have an ability I've done this all my life, but I'm, am I willing to give up my lucrative salary and everything else to say, to go with the, the good and also the pains of being a preacher? Right. And, and maybe it'd be an encouragement to others to do yeah. the same thing. And there are other ways, <clears throat> like your, your sponsor, they, you yeah. know, they know their calling is not that, and they've got the, the means to put you out into the into the world and, and reach God's people. And some people that truly tithe and or, or more, you know, can support this church, can support Rock Solid Ministries and, and things like that. And that does just as, as much, too, if they will use the resources for that. Well, this is true. When they approached us many years ago, he said, we don't know how to do what you know how to do, Tom. Yeah. But we know how to give. And right. we have that ability. And we would like you to go out and do this. And they've proven through the years very faithful to that. And so much so as to bring on another evangelist and someone to run the office as we've grown. And there are others. Uh, I interviewed Michael Bird from, uh, uh, who has Live Church Solutions. Uh, I'll, I, I believe it's livechurchsolutions.org. And I'll just put that out there. But um, they, have, they, they have some sponsors. And they do free stuff electronically, websites and things for our churches. And they're expanding it and doing other things. So that's a good point that there are people out there that don't know how to do this, but they have the funds and they want to see God's kingdom expanded. So why not find a ministry, support your local church, absolutely, but then find a ministry for excess funds and, and do something. Yeah.
Good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Anything else we could talk about tonight? That's it. All right. Well, it's getting late anyway, yeah. and my voice is about gone. So um, I'm, I thanks for doing this with me. You're welcome. And, thanks uh, for having me, and thanks for coming up here. And uh, a couple of years we'll do this again because I'm sure you'll have a lot more to share. So, well, thank you for listening. And uh, if you think this will be an encouragement to a friend, a co-worker in Christ, please share it with them. Until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.